Thank you for listening to the Firelife Church Podcast. For more information on Firelife Church in Irving, Texas, please visit wearefirelife.org. We pray the Lord blesses you greatly through this message. Morning. Am I good? Come on, sing it. Mandy's up here singing. It is quiet today, but but that doesn't always bother me. Sometimes it bothers me. It doesn't bother me today. <laughs> wake up, wake up, wake up. I remember when Josiah was, what, three? Three years old, somewhere around there. And it was when we had our prayer meetings at Family Worship Center on Saturday night at six o'clock. And how many, how many of you remember those days, ever came to one of those? Raise your hand. Well, yeah, you know, this. see, it's in our DNA. It's the house of prayers in our DNA. And I remember one night uh, he got up there. He had to be two to three. He could barely talk. And he got up and he, Papa gave him the mic. And some of you may have been there that night. And he got up on that, the stage was like four, four and a half feet tall or whatever it was. He climbs up there on that stage with Papa. And he takes the mic and he starts, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Wake up, wake up. Looking at all the whole balcony and all the, just wake up, wake up, wake I was like, come on, Josiah. That was your first sermon, buddy. <laughs> I hear Josiah, little Josiah today saying, wake up, wake up. <laughs> Not just uh, physically, but spiritually. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Amen? Amen. Just a couple of quick just announcements, just so you know uh, what's going on. Um, the 24th, is Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, and so we're going to do a candlelight service. We want to invite you all to that. Um, it'll be Sunday morning, our normal time. It won't be the normal length of service or the normal style of service. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different, and we just want to make it a, a special family worship day. So there'll be no kids, no nursery, so we'll join in here. And we're going to celebrate the birth of the Savior, Amen. the Christ child, the anointed one. <laughs> Come on, the one who took away the sins of the world, the one who's coming back to sit on a throne forever, to rule and reign, and we get to rule and reign with him. We're gonna celebrate him. And then uh, the next Sunday, New Year's Eve, so we'll have our normal service, kids' nursery as well, and then that evening at seven o'clock, we're gonna do our table that night instead of that morning, and we're gonna make it a game and fellowship night. So all we're gonna say is bring, bring a fun game that you like to play with your family and bring snacks, all right? We're not going to do meals. We're not going to do a whole potluck thing, but just bring snacks, cookies, everything we're not supposed to eat that's going to go off our list the next day, bring it that night. <laughs> so, uh, so we just invite you. That'll be seven o'clock here. And I just want to say we are a house of prayer. We are, we are reorienting ourselves around being a house of prayer. And so the opportunities that we have right now for you to join in on that in corporate prayer is Sunday mornings at 945. So if you're not in class, Foundations class, we have 945 prayer for anyone that wants to pray. Then we have Wednesday nights at 630 in person or on Zoom. So Zoom works. I know it's, it's, it's clunky a little bit at first and you got to get used to the rules and the rhythm of when to talk and when not to talk and when the dogs in the background or the kids or whatever, uh, all the weird stuff with it, but it works. We're praying, we're gathering together and I think the Lord honors our obedience and our sacrifice. So, so in person or on Zoom Wednesday nights at 630, 
And then every day, Monday through Thursday, between 9 and 10 a.m., we're here in this room praying. We invite you to come with us. So far, we've had a couple of people join us, and we're like, yes, please. I think Sharon came and anointed and prayed over every room in this building for a couple of hours. Thank you, Sharon. We love it. Rodney came and joined us on Wednesday, so we had a wonderful time. It felt like our old early morning prayer meetings with, with Rodney here, and so, and he's not well today, so Lord help Rodney. Um, but we're a house of prayer. And so those are opportunities for you to, to say, yeah, I wanna be part of that. Maybe I can't do all of them, but I'll do one of them. Or I'll, I'll alternate. I'll do one Wednesday and then I'll do in person, then I'll do Zoom, whatever. Just come pray with us. We need prayer. Jesus, help us. Amen. All right. And then the next slide is, so next year on Saturday, January 6th, we're gonna do a prayer workshop. So at 10 a.m., we're, we're gonna do a four-part a four lesson on prayer, how to be a house of prayer. And you're going to learn, I'm not going to give all the topics, but basically you're going to learn, first of all, we're all going to relearn how to hear from God and how to pray. Um, because if we're going to be a praying church, we want to know what we're doing and do it on purpose, right? I, I, I know God is sovereign. Everyone say God's sovereign. Like God will do whatever he wants to do, right? But he sure loves to partner with us. And the way he partners with us is through prayer. Amen. So that'll be that Saturday, January 6th. If you have the church app, register in there so we can just kind of get a gauge of how many people are here so we know which room to prepare for. And if you're not able to come in person for that, we are gonna do Zoom. So you can watch through Zoom. And then we're also going to record um, the teaching in a separate session. So it'll be on our website forever as long as we have, unless we upgrade and whatever. But we'll have uh, the workshops on our website because we're gonna teach into these things. So that's, January 6th. All right. Amen. We're going to redeem that day. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> a little subtle, a little subtle political humor there. All right. Um, why don't you open your Bible to Ephesians chapter four? And we'll also be in Proverbs three. Yeah, it, it says it right there. Reorientation. I just feel like that's what's going on here in the church. We're being reoriented toward the things that really matter. And so we're just gonna keep pouring gasoline on that. So Father, we just thank you because you're good and you're faithful. I pray that you would um, anoint me to say the words I'm supposed to say. Let me say your words today. And I pray you anoint all of our hearts to be hearers and to be doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm gonna ask you a question. So, um, as we become a house of prayer, then the natural, um, the natural uh, order of things would be then we would also be a house of disciples, um, disciples, people that follow Jesus closely. And one of the things I would really like for us to do is to be really eager learners of the word. Like, I've, I've, how many been in church a long time? You've heard the Bible, right? Like, it's like we, we, we have this weird belief that if I've heard it before, if I can quote it or if I say it, then I really know how to apply it or I really know all there is to it. And if you have been a Christian for a long time, you know that you could read the same verse a hundred times and get something different each time you read it because it's not dead, it's alive. And it has the power to speak to every situation of life. And so what I'm asking, what I'm hoping this church becomes is that, that when we, that we learn to recognize the word of God when it comes forward and that when we hear it, we lean in and respond to it. No matter how many times I've heard it, no, how, many, how many times maybe I've quoted it, Lord, am I applying that? 
Am I doing that or have I deceived myself because I hear it and I know it? Like, I want us to be really good and eager to apply the truth to our lives because, um, man, I've just been, I'm doing this thing for my sons like my dad did, and I'm, I'm, I'm going through Bibles, and I'm, I'm using this Bible to be about a year, uh, a study Bible for a year, and I'm gonna give this Bible to Josiah. He's gonna have all my notes, all the crazy writings and stuff that I say in there, funny things, serious things, and then I'm gonna hand it to Josiah, and then I'm gonna do one for Matthias, and I'm gonna take my time, I'm gonna do one for Levi, and I'm probably gonna keep doing this. They may end up with five or six Bibles from dad, hopefully, before their life's over of notes. And what I'm finding is, man, I've read that, I studied that in Bible school and I reread it and I'm like, man, it blows my mind. Like, I'm finding like, man, I, I know this verse. I know it in and out. And then I read it and then it starts to read me, right? That's what I'm hoping will happen to us. That the word starts reading us and that we don't just, that we handle this with, with the respect it deserves. You know, I'm, a, I'm a book person. I love books. And um, I was just thinking about through all of history, it wasn't until around the 1500s where people started getting the word of God in their own language. For all of history, the word of God was, was on a scroll and it was only read by priests or only certain people were able to even read it or see it. And, and then all of a sudden this man Gutenberg invents a printing press and now everyone gets the word of God in their own language. And then what immediately followed historically, the printing press and the Bible being the first thing printed and put in mass, immediately we go into a renaissance, the enlightenment, immediately in history. Like you just watch history and it's the dark middle ages, the dark ages, they call it. And you have the plagues and, and poverty and sickness. And then all of a sudden the word of God gets unleashed on the planet and we have a renaissance and an enlightenment. There's no coincidence there that that followed the word of God getting in people's hands. And then I, I feel like, and I, this is a long opening, I'm sorry, but I feel like we just don't have the awe for his word like we should. Like, again, it's not a book, it's, it's, it's him. It's the, the word made flesh was Jesus was the word made flesh. So when we're reading this, we're, we're reading a person He's intimate. And so I want us to just take that mindset and always be ready to learn. Always feel like, man, I'm a novice. I don't know this. I, I could learn something new. And so enough of that. Let's move on. Um, let me just start here. So Hank had us pray for peace. And you, you can feel when people have cares and burdens. And sometimes cares or burdens aren't like, well, I had horrible news. Sometimes it's just, I have a lot to do. <laughs> I have a lot of things on my list and it feels more like that today. I know there are people with, with heavy needs, like how many, you have something going on right now you need prayer for, right? Jesus, can, we need a miracle. But a lot of us, the burdens are the things we have to do, the things we wanna do, we wanna accomplish, we wanna finish. And um, sometimes we think that when we get that thing accomplished or we get the, the answer to the prayer, that that's what we needed, but that's not what we need. Like when we say we need peace, peace is not a peace is not an atmosphere. Like we can play peaceful music and you can feel peaceful, but peace is a person. Like Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. So like when peace enters into any atmosphere, it's because Jesus is there. Peace is a person. 
So we think if the, the pressure would just go away from my life, if this thing would get answered or if this thing would shift, the pressure would leave my life and I would have peace. The only way we have peace is if the presence of Jesus is at the center. That's why he says, I don't give peace like the world does, but my peace I give to you. He's saying, I'm giving myself to you as peace. So in the Old Testament, you would see these times where they would go through crisis. They were sharing uh, this morning, uh, Daniel and Ruby, about their hometown is, is in a, a flood season right now. And everything's flooded. I think he said almost shoulder deep water in the whole city. And people are just scattered everywhere. And they're probably crying out for help. Help, God. Help, Lord. Like, you see this all through scripture, like a crisis would happen. Um, the firstborn, there's a pestilence, there's this stuff, and people would cry out to God, and they would need him. And he would answer with these words often, I will send rain. I will cause a stream to, to spring up. I will bring riv rivers in your desert wasteland. And the people were like, wait a second, we just had a flood, you don't need rain. We just had a crisis. Water is not gonna solve the fact that my son just died or whatever happens. And God would answer it this way. And if you study scripture, it teaches us that the Holy Spirit is that water that he's referring to. It's the presence of God is the water. And so he's saying, you may be in this place of crisis, this place of need, but what you think you need is not what you need. What you need is my presence. And that's what we need. And so the actual issue of our heart is never pain, it's never loss, it's never struggle, it's never lack, it's never, all, it's never these things first. The answer is always his presence. His presence, are you guys okay? I'm, I'm teaching a little bit more today, I'm gonna teach just a moment. It's his presence is what we need. Because what happens is if we, if we come into the understanding of his presence is all I need, then we will say what Paul said. I've been rich, I've been poor. I've been liked, I've been hated. I've been beaten, I've been praised. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what will happen is the exterior issues of life will lose its focus. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his face. So like what will happen is, yeah, I still may have a problem or a struggle or an issue, but I'm not alone. Emmanuel is with me, God with us. And I feel like he's wanting to say that and remind us like, this is, this is the other reason we've been talking about putting Jesus at the center of our life is because if we do that, it reorients our life and it puts the right things in perspective. It gives us the eyes to see. And the only way that any issue or struggle or pain or loss will shift in our life is through the presence of Jesus. Like with him at the center, with his presence present in me, now I know how to call out for and receive answers to the issues of my life because I'm praying through my high priest, Jesus, who's making intercession for me day and night, the Bible says. Hey, someone, you need to hear this. You need to be reminded. Jesus is your high priest right now and he is making intercession for you right now, day and night. He is praying for you. He is on your team. He is crying out for you day and night that you will succeed, that you will make it, that you will, that you will fulfill every promise, that you will prosper, that you will be in good health, all the things we just prayed. He's praying that as our high priest. And he just wants to be put at the center of our life. 
And so where I want to go today with this, this, all this thought at, at the forefront is that through history, God-fearing people based their whole existence upon their relationship with God. Like they completely were in need of God. I want you to just historically, these people, they would sow seed, but they would have to wait for God to send the rain. I want to draw a picture between historically and present. Historically, we couldn't force the crops to grow. They had to rely upon the Lord. They would plant their seeds. They would do everything they're supposed to do. And then they would pray to God, God, if you don't send rain, then what I just did doesn't matter. They were completely reliant upon God for every issue of life, for prosperity, for fertility, for their crops to succeed, right? That's how history has been all the way up until now. People were reliant upon God. I mean, when's the last time we went out and saw stars that made us in awe? But all through history, they walked out, they couldn't escape the stars that made them feel small, that there was a God in heaven who was big. They couldn't escape it. They, that's why they wrote Psalms that said, the heavens declare your wonder. The skies declare your majesty. Why? Because they look up at night and be like, man, I'm trying really hard down here, but there's a God who spoke all of this into existence. And then when the rain would come and their crops would flourish, they would celebrate, not that they did the work, but that God answered them with rain and with prosperous crops. They would celebrate it all through history. Now we live in a modern age where we look around and what do we see? Everything we built. I mean, look around. We built this. Look at the cities of the world. Look at the technology that we have built. And man looks at ourselves and we're like, oh, you're amazing. You don't need the rain. We'll, we'll create irrigation systems in deserts and create some of the most prosperous soil on the planet in a desert with our own hand. We'll do it. Oh, we, we don't need the womb of a mother any longer. We will create this with our hand in a laboratory, a laboratory. We will do this because we have oriented our life around us and we've lost the wonder of God. And if we think that we can live in this world and this stuff not rub off on us, if we're not careful, then we're crazy. You guys okay? And if they were pagans, they would have a God for everything. The God of fertility, the God of rain, the God of wind, the God of lightning, the God of good soil, <laughs> the God of the rocks. Everything, the God of war, the God, of, you name it, a God for everything. But then in Deuteronomy chapter six, God says to Israel, Deuteronomy six, verses four and five, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, he is one. Everyone say the Lord, our God is one. Why was he telling them that? So they didn't have other gods. And so that they gained the understanding, oh, the God who brings rain 
is the God who brings the crops, is the God who causes fertility. He's the God who makes peace. He's the God who protects me. He's all the same God. And Israel had an understanding that the rest of the pagan world didn't have. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is not many gods. He's one God, and he wants to be intimate with you. And then he gave him the command, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of our strength. This is the word for us as a church. God wants us to reorient our lives around the one God. He wants us to stop chasing after the things. The Bible says, don't, don't look how to add stuff to your life. Don't chase these things, how you're gonna dress and where you're gonna live and where you're gonna. He's like the pagans, the unbelievers chase after these things. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all of the cares of your life will be added unto you. This is what the Lord's saying to us. He wants to be put back at the center of our life. Amen? And what I have felt, <laughs> let me say it like this. So we have, two op- we have three options. We can put God at the center and love him with all of our heart and know that he is one. Or we can put man at the center where I feel the weight and responsibility for my life where I feel the weight and responsibility for my family. Now, I understand that is part of my calling as a dad, right? But it is not my first calling. I can't do that part, protection, provision as a father, unless Jesus is in his place. I can't do it because what will happen is I will do it out of my own strength, out of my own wisdom, out of my own devices. And I will wear myself out. But if I will say yes, if we will say yes and obey the Lord, we will prosper in everything we put our hands to. So we have the choice. We can do that. We can we become humanistic or we can become idolatrous. And you're like, well, we're not, we don't have idols like other other denominate or other religions or other countries or whatever. And I would say that no, our 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 idols are just more subtle. They're more demonic because they're hidden. And we mask them with, with pretty clothing. No, it's the put lipstick on the pig. It's still a pig. And we call it worship and we call it religion that's pleasing to God. But really what it is, is it's humanism. So it's either humanism or idolatry. Those are the, the choices that we take if we don't put the Lord at the center. And in Ephesians 4... Verse 17 and 18, Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus and he's saying to them, I say this and I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from what? From the life that is in God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the blindness that's in their heart. He's saying, don't be like the pagans or the unbelievers who have their understanding of who God is darkened to the point where it has cut them off from his life and made them ignorant to the help that he could provide them if they ask him for it. (laughs) 
I, I was sent an email this week and was just saying where I think we are as a church is we've been in a long season of repentance, a long, a long season of it, uh, a few years of repentance. I think, I think when COVID happened, it kind of shook us a little bit. I know it did me because um, I'm a Texan. I'm just gonna, and if you don't fully understand what it means to be a Texan, it means leave me alone. Let me live my life. Don't put rules on me that you don't live by yourself. Let me just live. Leave me alone. Don't tell me I can't go. I can't do. I can't, whatever. I'm a Texan. And COVID comes in and they're like, you can't go anywhere. (laughs) You can't have a microphone. I remember sitting out on my porch. It was kind of rainy at that first part. And I was talking to my dad on the phone, like, what in the world is going on? We live in Texas, and they're telling us we can't go anywhere. Do, what do we do? Do we fight? Like, honestly. Is it battery? Oh, there it is. It's back on. What do we do? And I was so frustrated, and I got depressed. I did. I'll be honest with you, locked in your house, not able to go do all the religious things that I grew up thinking I had to do to to be close to God. Church changed. Then you start assessing like, well, have we really even been gathering around him like we should? And we started asking some good questions. But personally for me, it was like, you don't get to drive into the office. You don't get to see people and have church. Oh, my goodness. That's, that is blasphemy. How do we worship God if we can't gather in a church and do the stuff we've always done? And it messed with me for a little bit because I start thinking that that was what it was all about. You start thinking like, okay, what we have built and called church is, is the, the end result that God wanted, and it's not. So you start trying to make some adjustments and making some changes, and it sent us down a good path, I feel like. It made us begin to say, well, what's really valuable? What are we really supposed to be doing here? What was humanism mixed in with Christianity? What was idolatry mixed in? How was I trying to do things and call it holy, and God's looking at me going, man, you were just so off because I'm not at the center of any of this. And I feel like that started something. And we went through the Phariseeectomy thing with the church. I mean, yeah, thank you. It's like painful when we're like, oh yeah, I remember that. Like, oh my goodness, I was a Pharisee? Are you kidding me? No, they're Pharisees. Those people I see on TV, they're the Pharisees. Those people down the street at that church, they're Pharisee. I'm not a Pharisee. Oh yes, yes you are. And we went through that. And then we're going through this stuff right now of just repenting and putting Jesus at the center and getting back to our first love and doing the things we did at first. And it's a really good thing for us. But if we don't put Jesus at the center, we're still gonna miss it. Even if we've adjusted, if we don't put him at the center, we're gonna miss it. Let me get where I need to go. Romans 1 says that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped creation rather than the creator. 
in Exodus 32, it took them 40 days to completely walk away from God after he gave them his law. Exodus 20, Moses goes up, gets the law, five dealing with their relationship with God, five dealing with their relationship with one another. He comes down, he tells them, this is how we're gonna live from now on. We're gonna hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. We're gonna love him with all of our heart. We have no other gods before us. He goes through the law, right? Goes up the mountain 40 days. He's up on that mountain. And what do they do down there? From Aaron, the lead, the pastor. Aaron was their pastor. He was the priest. He's like, these guys are getting out of control. And they're like, we, we got to do something. We don't know what he's doing up there. He's been up there for too long. So we're going we're gonna to do our own thing down here. We're going we're gonna to make our own idol. We're going to worship. And Aaron's like, okay, great. Great idea, guys. <laughs> Let's do what you guys want to do. Well, I have an idea. Bring me all of your gold earrings. Bring me all your gold. Yep, bring it here. Now we're going to create a form of worship here. We're gonna, you're going to bring your offering. Look at the picture. You bring your offering and we're going we're gonna to melt it down and we're going to reshape it. And we're going to form it into something we want to worship that represents strength to us. So you do, the, and they fashioned a golden calf. And then guess what they did? They put it at the center, like the picture from last week. They put it at the center and they began to dance and sing and worship it. And guess what they said? You have delivered us from the wilderness. You have delivered us from our enemies. And they start worshiping it as if it's God. And Aaron was leading all of it. And Moses comes down and he's like, what in the world? God warned him. God says, hey, uh, I don't know if you know, you had not got the message, but the people have lost it. They are down there having a crazy party and Aaron's right in the middle of it. He should know better, but he's right in the middle of this and, and you need to go down there and take care of them. And Moses is like, they're not my people, they're your people. <laughs> so he comes down and, and he can't believe what happened. And he called them all to repentance. And if you'll read through it, God actually judged them and people died over this because it took 40 days. I've, I said this last week, I'm, we're gonna end here today. It took 40 days for them to walk away from God. And if, if you and I, if we are not vigilant at constantly, daily making sure that Jesus is at the center, who do we think we are that we wouldn't drift? Oh, I would never leave him. Oh, Peter said that. I'll never deny you. Peter. What's the Bible say? Take heed when you stand, lest you fall. Like there's, there, there has to be a humility that comes over us that says, I'm capable of anything. I'm capable of walking away from God. I'm capable of being Aaron and creating idolatrous worship and calling it unto God. I'm capable of that. I'm capable of walking away 40 days after seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm capable of that. The only way to keep from doing that is to continually put Jesus at the center, to continually ask his word to cut us deep. And I'm concerned that, that many of us have fallen into that pagan or unbelieving or idolatrous 
thing and not putting Jesus at the center. But the good news is, Jesus made a way and he says, I'm gonna put you in the safest place. I'm gonna put you in my hands. And he made a promise. He goes, and nothing can steal you from my hands. So yes, we need to be alert. I could walk away at any moment, but I'm also in Jesus's hands. So I wanna stay there because I don't wanna stray. I don't wanna walk away. How many have ever heard of a book called God's Generals? I know some of you have heard this. It's amazing. There's multiple books on it now, but basically what the book is about is they would find these great men, mostly men, um, a few ladies that were in the book, and they were God's generals, man. They were the, they were the, the revivalists, the evangelists, the, the signs and wonders and miracles would follow these people. And many of them, late in life, walked away from the Lord. And I'm talking about people that saw hundreds of thousands of people saved, healed, delivered. Some of them built actual cities for healing and people would come to the city and be healed. I mean, these people were like the people you read about in the Bible. They would be like the disciples. And many of them walked away from God and had moral failure. And you're like, well, how can that happen? Because I start looking around and seeing, oh, I wrote that book. Oh, I built that church. Oh, my name's on the ministry now. It's not even the church anymore. It's my name is the ministry. And all of a sudden, oh, well, maybe we wouldn't do that. But you know what? My job, that's how I provide for my family. It's my job. Oh, I, I work really hard to, to provide all this. This is me. I built this. And, we, and without even knowing it, we're spitting in the face of Jesus. We're spitting in the face of God who is one. Every good and perfect gift from our life comes from him. We may have partnered with him and he makes us look great and he's not afraid to pat us on the back and say, oh, you did so good, even though he was covering us the whole time. But we've got to put Jesus at the center. And that's what we're doing. I'm purposely ending the year on this because next year is going to look different. Like I love this year. There's so many highlights to this year, really cool things that happened. But next year is going to look different. Next year is going to be messy. You're like, oh man, that's a bad word. <laughs> no, the Bible says that with increase in the stalls comes mess. That's me cleaning it up. Basically, they're talking about oxen. When, the, when there are no oxen in there, there's no poop to clean up. But when oxen start reproducing, there's lots of poop you have to clean up. I feel like next year is going to be a little bit messy. We're going to get to disciple some people. We're going to get to spend some quality time rehabilitating some marriages and relationships. But if, if we're not careful and put Jesus at the center, we'll work ourselves to death for, for no reward. I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want outwardly to look and say, oh, we're doing all of these things and not have the reward of Jesus at the center. Would you stand with me? Proverbs 3, 5 through 12. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean, oh my goodness, on my own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct our paths. What's the rest say? It digs a little deeper as you read. 
do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. Ooh. And it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. There's a Holy Spirit reference right there. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Do not despise his discipline or detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, he chastens, he disciplines, he spanks. Just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Come on. Yeah, Father, we come to you now. Yeah, why don't you just, oh, Jesus, we ask that you would shine a light on us by your Holy Spirit. Search us, God. Do we have idols? Do we have other gods? Are we humanistic? Have we lost the awe that you're the God where all bounty comes from? Come on. The Shema, the prayer is a hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Hear. The first part of that is to hear. All through the Bible, he says, if you hear my voice, don't do what they did and harden your heart. If you, hear, if you have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying. So the key to repentance is hearing his voice. So if, if I try right now to, to assess my life and, and be like, well, do I need to repent? I'm going to miss something. But if I will hear his voice and respond to it, then I can have true repentance. So I'm going to ask for you to do something right now. I'm going to ask for you to ask the Lord to speak to you. That he would activate your ears to hear his voice. God, speak to me. Now we should respond to what he said. We should reorient ourselves toward what he just said. If he didn't say anything, lean in longer. All through scripture, he's, he called this, this um, having other gods or straying, he called it adultery.
There have been many times when the Lord would highlight a thing to me. How many have had that where the Lord's highlighted some things like, hey, you need to repent for this thing. And I'm wired a specific way to where if you bring a problem to me, typically my first natural response is, but I've brought all of this other stuff first. Like, but I did this. I'm like, well, Lord, yeah, maybe I did that wrong, one wrong thing. But man, look at all these other shiny, cool things I've done for you. The Lord's not interested in all that other stuff. He's interested in that one thing, the one thing. And so we're not, we're going to have an altar time here. We're not looking for a lot of things. We're just looking for the one thing he wants today. And that's what's called, that's why it's called first fruits. Listen to me. I could make a list of a hundred things or a thousand things I need to change about me right now. How many, right? Easily. But if I will listen to him and ask him for the one thing and bring that to him as an offering, it's like a tithe. I bring that one thing to him as the first fruits. And then he takes all of those other things that I know are there and he makes it all holy because I brought him the one thing he asked for. He gives me the strength to do all the other, but it only comes through the obedience for the one thing. So I'm gonna ask for you to come here to the front of this ministers to you, and I'm gonna ask for you to ask the Lord for one thing, the one thing he wants from you today, from me today. And then we're gonna give that to him with all of our heart, with joy, with, with uh, repentance, and then we're gonna walk from there, all right? So I'm done talking for here. We're gonna open the altars. Let's ask him for that that one thing.